Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome in. This is the Thursday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin, Colin Surrey. Our producer today, my guest will be Cardinals third baseman Matt Carpenter. I think this is going to be fun. I, I want to hear what he's been doing to stay sharp because he's made good money. Other guys haven't, so there are limitations for those that haven't made money. And then those that have, some have access to a batting cage, home gym, that kind of thing. What does a baseball lifer like Matt Carpenter miss a most about the game? And what makes Yadier Molina one of the greatest catchers ever? His teammate. A visit with Matt Carpenter coming up, and I look forward to that. All right, we start with baseball. An ESPN report by investigative reporter T.J. Quinn appeared on ESPN.com about a day ago. There are exhaustive measures to try and make a major league season work. If you haven't seen it, take five or ten minutes, read it. I mean, there's a ton of stuff in that. TJ joined Ribs and BK yesterday on 101. I mean, the game's in a funny place right now. Attendance has been down for, what, I think like 13 straight years or, you know, over 13 years. But revenues are at an all-time high. So the players are saying, wait a minute, maybe you're going to operate at a loss this year. But, you know, the long-term health of the game, you know, that that is the, the bigger issue at hand. So... I think, yeah, there are people in Major League Baseball at my level saying we should really seriously think about just not playing at all, especially when epidemiologists are saying right now there's a you know, very strong chance of a resurgence sometime in late summer, which could mean that they could start and have to shut it down, which would be terrible. But I think they also recognize that besides being able to salvage something, if they get the game going now, they may be the only game in the country for a while. They've finally got a chance to try to recapture, I think, the national spotlight because it's going to be much, much harder for football, basketball, the NHL to get going. That is a great point. We were just talking about that with Randy and Michelle. You've got contact sports trying to figure it out and baseball, not a contact sport but a lot of issues to get through and if you get on the field it's not nascar it's not a golf charity event it's not golf period and there's no disrespect to those sports but this is baseball and you will have the attention of the national public period you have to get on the field you have to play almost everybody agrees with that no matter what the sport looks like with different rules or no fans in the stands it would decimate the sport if they didn't play in that report, there were strict guidelines as to how players were to be on and off the field. Things like no spitting sunflower seeds or showering after games. Eh, I don't see that happening one bit. Players are creatures of habit. They're going to spit. And I'd like to think that they want to shower after a game. Come on. Got to take a shower after a game. It's 98 degrees and you just played five hours. You're going to want to take a shower. Near isolation on the road. And on paper, that... That, you know, it sounds great, but can you realistically rely on a young major leaguer from not getting outside that bubble? I don't know. That's tough to do. Cardinals shortstop Paul DeYoung was quoted as saying, we can pull this off. I'd love to see it happen, and the game needs to get back. ESPN's Jeff Passan. Well, we're talking about a proposed June 10th or so start to spring training. And the way that it would get phased in is pitchers would come first and then players. And so it, it would be a gradual thing to build up. And you'd have about three weeks of spring training until you have games at the beginning of July. So if we just count backward, in people's minds, a deal needs to be struck 
at latest by the end of May. If there's not something on the table signed by June 1st, we're not going to have baseball as early as they were hoping. And that is a very loud ticking clock right now. It is, and I agree with what he's saying, because at some point there has to be an agreed-upon deadline. And in a way, it becomes really the ultimate game of chicken. The Players Association, Major League Baseball. So think of it this way. You've got the trade deadline. You know it's a hard date and hour that you have to get a deal done. And this has got to be kind of the same. Just put an arbitrary date out there. Say you got to be done by this time. And that's when you hammer out these negotiations. Set a deadline. I remember in 2002, we're in Chicago. And there was going to be a work stoppage. And it's the morning of that date that they said we need to have a deal in place. Steve Klein came down. I was having breakfast and I saw him there and he said, we're not playing. He said, it's done. We're not going to play. Next thing I knew, I was saying ball one at one o'clock at Wrigley Field. It was at the last minute. The players came to an agreement. They continued the season. There was labor peace. The pressure of setting a deadline is imperative in negotiations. Tim Kirchin of ESPN. A former player who's now an instructor and has had 30 years in the game called me on the phone on a Sunday morning and started screaming about the proposal that the owners sent to the players. And he said, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. There is no chance we're going to play this season. That's what he told me. The next day, I spoke to a general manager who is very plugged in on this, and he told me the chances of playing this year are 100%. It goes back and forth. We sit, we wait, we want sports. If you watch the NFL draft, you're going to get the same version of that for the Major League Baseball draft. It'll be done remotely. Teams will not have draft rooms to do the draft via video conferencing. Yesterday on the show, I spoke to Randy Flores, the assistant GM of the Cardinals, who will be running the draft for St. Louis. He and his scouts haven't been able to physically watch players. So if you're not physically watching players, how will this draft work in drafting those guys? Yeah, you know what? It's just more complex, Dan. And so you think of even a few years ago, uh, what was groundbreaking was some sort of video, an archived and tagging video system, much like the business that and startup that I was in before coming here. But then since then, uh, there's been a proliferation of, of ball tracking and track man and sensors and rapsodos and hitting cage or hit tracks. Uh, there is uh, various performance assessment that, that's just everywhere now. And it's not just something that happens in the month before the draft. And so it's kind of balancing all these new pieces of information in a landscape that's unprecedented and coming to the best decision possible with that limited data set. So it's limited, but there's a lot of video. And remember, they've been seeing a lot of these kids even the year before, two years before that, um, as they made the draft last year. There are guys that are draft eligible, uh, eligible this year, so they do have an idea of where they want to go. Now, the draft is only five rounds. The Cardinals will have seven picks in those five rounds this year. Every Wednesday on my website, scoopswithdannymac.com, there's all kinds of coverage on that. I visit with Brian Walden of the CardinalNation.com. He covers the draft for the Cardinals minor league system. The draft uh, is going to be truncated both in terms of the length and in terms of the money that's going to be spent. And that has impact on uh, high school players specifically who probably aren't going to get drafted at the kind of numbers they have and the kind of percentages they have in the past. But, and, you know, in, in the case of college upperclassmen, they get another year of eligibility. So the fact that the draft is going to be five rounds this year rather than 40 
four zero rounds last year, you know, isn't going to hurt. It's going to hurt immediate, you know, immediately. But you know, ultimately, pretty much everybody who's eligible this year will be eligible next year as well. Now, you know, will there be more competition next year? Of course, but. On one hand, I say, you know, I'm disappointed in Major League Baseball that they decided to only go with five rounds. They, they, they came up with a proposal to go to 10 rounds, but it was with reduced payments, and the Players Association disagreed. So they said, well, we're going to go with five rounds. Um, but at least the money that is allocated for those five rounds, the Cardinals have seven picks in those five rounds, and they have close to $8 million to spend. So, you know, they're going to get some good talent. Uh, the number 21 pick overall is their first pick. And the slot value for that's over $3 million. So, you know, you can easily see, you know, another Zach Thompson uh, type of player uh, get picked uh, by the Cardinals at 21st overall this year. And they have two extra picks. One is a competitive balance pick. Uh, and another one is the compensation that they received when Marcelo Zuna uh, left as a free agent. So, you know, the Cardinals uh, are going to pick up seven, you know, young guys in this draft. Now, the question is, with no minor league season likely ahead, you know, these guys aren't going to get to play right away. Uh, but, you know, they'll hopefully everybody will be ready to roll uh, again uh, when baseball picks up in 20, minor league baseball picks up in 2021. What's the strength of this draft? What are you hearing? Well, as always, uh, the college pitching it looks like what will probably be left when the, the Cardinals go. And that's okay because they have, in recent years, uh, as we know, you know, more focused on position players until uh, 2019. And they sort of got out of balance as a system. So, you know, but you know, everybody does mocks, but I, I, I've looked at probably 12, 15 mocks, and I don't think a single one has the Cardinals picking the same player because by the time you get to the 21st pick, there's so many dominoes that would have to fall, and one falls differently, the whole draft changes. So, you know, I don't know who the Cardinals are going to get, and I'm not going to invest a whole lot of time until I hear that name called. Uh, but it will be called on, on the 10th of June, and we'll know, you know who the Cardinals are, are going to have. What are the Cardinals' needs in the minor league system? For a guy that covers this very closely, what do you think the, the needs are for the Cardinals? Well, as I said, I think I think pitching. Uh, middle infield is an area that we haven't talked a lot about. but And, you know, the Cardinals are in good shape in the short term uh, with Tommy Edmond to back up the, the starters who are, are with the team for a while. And then Edmundo Sosa down, you know, in AAA. But none <clears throat> of that, you know, Delvin Perez has been a disappointment. Uh, young uh, Benji Gill, the former major leaguer, his son, uh, Mateo is, is down in short season ball, shortstop. He might have some potential, but the cupboard is a little bit thin in the middle infield. So that's an area that, uh, you know, we definitely could see the Cardinals invest. But a lot will depend on, you know, who's available and how the Cardinals board stacks up when uh, that 21st pick comes around. It really is fascinating because it's only five rounds. After that, teams can sign an unlimited number of players for up to 20000 bucks. Here's the thing, though. You have to wonder what happens with these college kids. Kind of like a free agent. I didn't get what I wanted. I'll roll the dice for another year. I'm back in school. If you're a high school kid, what is the landscape for college baseball next season? If there's no college football, that money gone, or at least a big chunk of it, and it doesn't trickle down to the sport of baseball in college. It is a fascinating aspect of the next 12 months in college sports as it pertains to America's pastime. The NBA has talked of using Walt Disney World in Orlando to finish their season. This is interesting. Disney offers ample housing and amenities. And look at it this way. Hey, we, we just saw a basketball documentary average 6 million live viewers across 10 hours. Can you imagine what the ratings would be for a live basketball game? 
Adrian Wojciechowski sizes up the NBA's current situation. I don't think you can get as contentious as baseball is. I think there's a better there's a better working uh, relationship, especially among Adam Silver and the star players in the league. And you know this, Scott. The star players can drive so much of the conversation and the, and help you know help shape the thinking of their peers around the league. And Adam Silver's relationships with those guys is strong more so than even some of the individual owners. And that's a big difference between the baseball between baseball and the NBA. And the financial structure is already set. They're not arguing right now over what the players are going to be played. The players know they're going to lose money based on how many games are canceled. The big fight in the NBA, Scott, is coming with next season. Colin, doesn't it seem like as all of this has unfolded that Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, has looked like a leader in this from the outside like us? I mean, he's been at the forefront of this entire thing with his players and everything that's gone along with it. As he has for a long time now in, in all of the four major sports, Adam Silver has been the guy in terms of commissioners that everyone kind of looks to, and there's always a positive vibe about him. And the thing that sets him apart from all of those other commissioners is you always hear everyone talk about his relationships with the players. Yes. And in this business of sports, relationships are everything. You know that, Dan. Absolutely. The night that Rudy Gobert shocked the world, it was Silver, who who didn't hesitate at all. Remember, he pulled the players from the floor. He's been transparent, and he's been steadfast in getting input from his players, and that is a key moving forward. They've got to be on both sides, and you know, clearly we're talking about health and safety of players, and, and that's what he has said is number one. No questions asked. Not to say that the other commissioners haven't done it. It just seems like that relationship with the union, LeBron, guys that are decision makers, he's been great with that. The NHL is reportedly planning to use two cities as hubs for a potential 24-team tournament this summer instead of completing the full 82-game regular season. Now, nothing's been finalized, but a call. This is a big day for the NHL, potentially. A call between the league and the Players Association will take place today. I say it all the time. This is your show. This is your show. You make me think. Hopefully I make you think. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. I love getting the text. The Rhino Shield mic drop. Drop me a mic drop. Coming up next, we'll catch up with Matt Carpenter. I I hope this is going to be fun. I, I know he loves baseball. He's a baseball fan. I am. You are Matt Carpenter. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. So many things I miss about the game of baseball here in 2020. And one of those things is having the chance to be around one of the classiest guys in the Cardinals organization and big things expected for him in 2020, especially after what we saw in the first spring training. And that's Cardinals third baseman, Matt Carpenter. Matt, I got to tell you, it, it's good to hear your voice. I hope you and your family are, are healthy and doing well. How are things going? Dan, thanks, man. We, uh, you know, things are going as well as, as they can be. We um, obviously um, are certainly missing St. Louis. We're missing being out and playing. Uh, missing getting a chance to go out and be represent the city of uh, St. Louis and the great Cardinal um, organization every day. But, um, you know, we have, you use this opportunity to really, you know, enjoy some family time. Um, you know, everybody's kind of forced into that right now. So, um, you know, we're making the most of it. In terms of baseball, how have you and guys around the league been able to stay sharp? Some guys, you know, may have facilities. Other guys don't. What are some of the things that you're hearing and what are some of the things that you're doing? 
You know, across the league, um, it's different for everybody, you know, based off of your living situation, you know, what city you're in, who you're around. Um, you know, a lot of guys um, a little, are a little bit more fortunate than others based off of where they live and who, who they're able to be around. Um, you know, I, in my personal situation, uh, I've been really lucky. Um, you know, I, my dad and mom have been quarantined with us for this entire time. And, um, you know, as many people know, my dad was, was, was my high school coach. And, um, so I've had a guy that, um, has been able to throw to me and hit to me, um, throughout this entire quarantine process. And here, as of late, um, the local high school that we're right here next to, um, we've been able to get in touch with the, with the superintendent and also the head baseball coach there and um, being able to get on their field with a group of guys. So actually today, I was just up at uh, their high school um, facing live pitching. So it's been a kind of a good situation. How do you feel if they said, okay, um, you're going to go face a major league pitching tomorrow? How, how far away are you from doing that? And are you fairly close to being able to just kind of jump in the box and get ready to, to get back going again? Yeah, I think I'm close. I, I really do. I think, you know, I've been because I've been in a fortunate situation to have facilities to use and have you know my dad around and being able to face guys, I feel like I'm closer than maybe some guys are. Um, and that's only because of, you know, I've had the access. Um, but I think all of us, you know, I speak for every hitter. I think that, you know, we can be ready in a couple of weeks when given the green light. When I look back at your spring training, I, I could see you working on different things, especially going the other way. How do you feel where you were at spring training then, and, and how do you feel about working on those things and where you're at right now? I felt really good um, towards the end of camp. I felt like I was really peaking at the right time. I liked all the off-season work I put together and uh, was starting to let it kind of see kind of see it come to life in games. Um, and then we got, you know, this whole thing happening, obviously um, – you know, kind of changed our plans a little bit, but, um, and right now I feel good. I mean, I, I'm continuing to stay with that same kind of mindset and approach that I had headed into, um, spring training and, um, been able to continue to work on it, you know, using the whole field, driving the ball, um, gap to gap and, um, feel good about it. Looking forward to when the season gets going. Absolutely. I like to hear when and not if, um, Matt Carpenter, I mean this affectionately, you know, we hear about a gym rat in basketball. You're our, our, our baseball rat. So when you're not around the guys, which is a part of it, you're not traveling, you're not at a big league atmosphere, what, what do you miss the most about playing Major League Baseball? And has it provided a different perspective now when it's taken away? Man, that list is long. Um, there's so many things that I miss. But I, I'll tell you, as much as I – as much as uh, – and I've said this – you know, before I was a fan of this game way longer than I've been a player of it. And that was, that, you know, goes into major league baseball, you know, being able to watch games too. I mean, when I get home after we play, I turn on the TV and watch the West coast games. I just enjoy watching baseball. I really do. And so I'm really struggling with that. Um, because, you know, one day when my career is going to be over, I'll still watch baseball. I enjoy it. And the fact that it is nowhere to be found is hard for me. And, you know, I, I, I'm missing it, you know, greatly, like, like many of us are. 
Uh, I'm curious, you know, we're all watching the older games, and this past week, 2011, is when you actually made your Major League debut, and the Cardinals won the World Series um, that season. And we've seen some of the great Cardinal teams of 82 and 85 and 87 and 06. Um, Are there any games that you've really watched and picked up something from a player you're watching because you can pick up little things. And like I said, you're, you're such a bright guy and intuitive to the game and a baseball rat. Have you picked up anything and watching some of those games from older generations and how that could pertain to what's going on now? Oh, for sure. There's no doubt in my mind um, that, you know, the ability player really, to be honest, ability for me has never been, you know, I'm not just a guy that was blessed with a ton of athletic ability. Um, you know, what I have been able to accomplish as a player, a lot of that has been from just watching the game. Um, you know, as a kid, I always had a baseball game on TV. I was always watching, you know, the teams, you know, teams on TV, anybody that played Cardinals, Astros, doesn't matter. Whoever was on TV, I was watching it. And then combine that with the fact that, you know, I grew up around the baseball field, having my dad be a coach. I mean, all that plays a big role in, um, you know, who I am today as a player and I'm constantly even today I'll, I'll turn on games you know I'll watch an old game and 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 something will catch my eye and be like oh man you know that's a good <laughs> idea or you know I should have done that or maybe that'll help me next season is there a guy that you have really you know liked in terms of watching the past games in this quarantine that you're like hey I like how he played I didn't realize that he did this differently at the box because you'll see things as a great athlete and as you know one of the best in the world that average Joe like myself will not pick up. Has there been anybody like that pitching wise, hitting, fielding, anything like that? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's an easy answer. And one I'm sure Cardinal fans have heard a ton. And for me, that's Albert. Um, you know, the, the MLB network, when they went through their little stretch of like kind of honoring Albert, I don't know if you caught any of that or not. Oh yeah. I saw a, a bunch of it. Played, yeah. Right. They played a bunch of some of those games. Some, uh, you know, a lot of them you had great calls on. Um, Thank but you. he, he, uh, that guy, I mean, I did get to play with him a little bit, but I mean, who he was at the beginning and who he still is, I mean, you are who you are, but he was just, and you got to see it more than most. I mean, it's just, that guy was just an absolute freak. What he was able to do and the, you know, the thing that I think I'm most amazed about Albert was that, you know, there are a lot of great players that play major league baseball that have done amazing things, but you have big hits and hit a, home, a bunch of homers and do all this stuff. Albert had a, an ability. It felt like he always did it when you needed him to do it for the yes. team. That was the one thing that stands out the most about him to me. The big moment. He always, no doubt. He was able to slow it down, and the great ones slow down when the game is on the line. I don't know how they do it. But I don't know if you think that way, too. The great guys in this game slow it down some way, somehow, and it just and then they rise to the occasion. They've got the mental uh, fortitude to do that. And I don't know if that's what stands out for you. But when people ask me about Albert, I'm like, well, he was great. I mean, he's a physical specimen. He's a great hitter. Best right handed hitter I've ever seen. But he was slowing it down in the moment. And the great ones find a way to do that. Do you agree? Totally agree. And he he literally might be the poster child for that when he was going through his best stretch of 10 years in st louis i'm glad in the game maybe ever was as good as he was at that how about yadi uh, matt you know pull back the curtain on yadi a little bit and he has said publicly he wants to play longer and i i would never doubt him on that but he he said he wants to be the known as the best catcher that ever played the game um he's the best i've ever seen when you're a teammate and play with him 
and, and watch him do what he does every day. Pull back the curtain a little bit. What, what is it about him that takes him to another level that makes him the special player and maybe the best that uh, will ever play that position? Well, I, you know, for those that have – it's funny you say that. I was just having this conversation with somebody about probably two days ago, and it's been perfect timing. Have you followed the Last Dance documentary? Oh, yeah. Okay. A- absolutely. Which has been – was phenomenal. And um, the one of the best ways I can describe what Yachty is and who you know the teammate that he is, the kind of person he is, is is Michael Jordan. They're, they're, Michael Jordan, obviously, different sport and arguably maybe the greatest athlete of all time. But I, the similarities that 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 those two have, Yachty and Michael Jordan, are shockingly. There's a lot of them. I mean, really, really close. Um, similar similar people, the way they the way they motivate their teammates, their desire to win, their hunger for winning, their ability, their killer instinct. I mean, Yanni and him are very similar. Interesting. Like, is it? Uh, and can you feel that as a teammate, or is it something that you could see even in the seats or on television as a fan? You know what I, I mean? Think- There's got to be almost got to be around him, I guess. I don't think that you can real. I think you can appreciate it as a fan. I think that if you watch them on a day-to-day basis, you can kind of get a sense of it. But I don't think it's – it's kind of like, you know, same same as I was mentioning about that documentary. You knew that about Michael Jordan, but then you watch it and you see it and you hear from his teammates, then you get a whole other greater appreciation. I think that's how Yachty is. The people in that locker room really see it. I think St. Louis understands a lot about, you know, how special and how lucky we are to have a guy like Yachty or Molina there for as long as we have. And But I think that – I don't think you'll ever appreciate it like uh, like you, a teammate will, just because you see it day in day out. Yeah, and you see the work that goes in behind the scenes. A um, couple more questions, I'll let you go. And this has been great stuff, and I I really appreciate your time. Um, have you gone back to the Wrigley Field uh, series that you had, where they couldn't get you out to the point that Joe Madden put in a fourth outfielder and. Can you describe what that's like to be in a zone like that? And have you ever been in a zone like that? High school, Little League, whatever. But you did it at Wrigley Field. <laughs> I, yeah, man, I don't, I'll tell you, that, that stretch of baseball for me, um, you know, I, I just, I've never, I'll, I don't, it'd be hard to recreate that. I mean, the way I felt in that, um, I mean, that was just, that series in particular, I mean, I, I just felt like if there was just nothing, no matter what happened, if they threw a strike over the plate, I felt like I was going to not just hit it hard. I felt like it was either going to be a double or a home run every single time. That's literally how I felt. And to go through a stretch like that as a player, um, it was pretty special because there's, they're really, you just don't get many times like that. I've never in the, in my entire career been, a, been hotter little league, um, college, high school. I've never gone through a stretch, and to be able to do it against big league fishing, good big league fishing, you know, in Chicago, um, was just beyond words of how much fun that was. Um, and you know, my whole thing now is like, how can I recreate that every day? That's the whole thing as a player is you want you want to get back to that. Um, it's easier said than done. Final question: um, Can you describe and have you thought about what the emotions might be like to be back on a big league field and playing baseball, albeit with a lot of different things going on, just to get there? But just have you thought about that? Do you allow yourself to get to, to thinking what that might be like and the emotions with it? I, I have. I think the biggest thing that 
that I don't think just me, I think all of us are going to come out of this thing with is, is a, is a, a new perspective of, of many things, but one, how lucky we are to be able to put on a uniform every day and go out and play a game that I would assume we all love. Um, I know certainly I do. And then to do it, um, you know, and I'll speak selfishly for the St. Louis players to do it in, at, at such a great place um, like Bush Stadium in front of such great fans like we have for such a great organization with such rich history like we do. Um, I just think this whole COVID-19 pandemic has just opened up my eyes to how special that is and not to take any moment of it for granted. And, and having those days, you know, I sent a tweet out a few weeks ago, kind of, you know, being serious and also poking fun at the things that I miss. I mean, the things there's, there's, there's literally some of the worst things that, you know, most big leaders are complaining about. I mean, we would do anything to have those back right now. So we're never going to play uh, complain about, I think it was a 3 a.m. flight after a long game, maybe being in the 18th inning of a game at 1 a.m. in Arizona. We're never going to complain about that again, are we? Bring it on. I'm ready. <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> I think we all would. Hey, Matt, great to catch up. It's awesome to hear your voice. Please be safe and healthy with you and your little ones and your family. And I really appreciate your time, and you offer great perspective. And I know the fans certainly appreciate that and look forward to seeing you back in St. Louis very, very soon. Again, thank you so much. Dan, thank you. Same to you. That was awesome with Matt Carpenter. He comes to us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and the text messages are wide open for you, 65780. The Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Your reaction to hearing Matt Carpenter, and that's a player that is a three-time All-Star. He set the doubles record for the St. Louis Cardinals, and, man, he misses the game as much as we do. Our mic drops, Rhino Shield mic drop, that's available for you as well. You're listening to Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. It is 1040 here in St. Louis. Let's get to your Air Comfort Service text line questions. And the first one comes from the 636. Absolutely loved hearing from Matt Carpenter. It took my mind of what we're really dealing with in our world. Uh, he says, uh, or her, do you think Matt Carpenter has been asked to do too many things in his uh, career as a player and it's made it more difficult for him to find his groove? Actually, I don't. I think it's actually enhanced his career. And I understand your point. It's very valid. But I do think that um, when you look at his career, especially when he became uh, an everyday player, Cardinals were using him in left field sometimes, and then he became an everyday player at second base, not his natural position, but his bat was in the lineup. And it's interesting how he has changed his career at the plate. He was a gaps hitter. Then all of a sudden he had success in a postseason with home runs, and he thought, well, I could do that. Became a home run hitter. Got into a bad mode that we saw last year, but yet this year, spring training, taking the ball the other way, as he said in that interview, He's a guy that is going back to being a gap-to-gap hitter. I'm expecting big things from Matt Carpenter. He's too talented, too good not to have a good year. From the 314, Dan, love the interview with Carpenter, love the show. Is it rare to see players that love the game as much as Carp? I don't think so. Um, I think Matt just did a tremendous job expressing himself on that interview of how much he misses the game. And I think if you would ask the majority of players in an honest conversation, 
about how much you love the game, all of them would say, I love it. I miss it. And because it hasn't been available to me and all the things that come along with being a major league player, the travel, the camaraderie, the first class uh, accommodations, the competition, they miss it. All of them miss it. They want to compete. They are the best in the world at what they do. So I think Matt just kind of expressed, Colin, what a lot of these players are thinking. I really do. Well, it's incredible to hear what he had to say about it. And like you said, so eloquently put by him. But you just think it's so it's so different for these guys. And you talk about sometimes the the difficulty that these players have when their careers are over, when they have to find that next thing. And, of course, there is... A season still to be played this year, but you wonder if that feeling is setting in a little bit for these guys and giving them that larger appreciation that Matt Carpenter talked about. 636 Air Comfort Service text line. We got a bunch coming in. Danny, is uh, Mark going to use batting gloves this season? Darn it. I meant to ask him that. <laughs> and I forgot I got involved in all the other questions I had going. It's a great question. Um, I would think this, and I understand about the nearly 70 page report with the protocols and health safety issues that the players were presented from Major League Baseball, my guess, that would be one of them that they're going to say, uh-uh, this is how I do my job. I've been doing it this way ever since I was five feet, you know, tall and playing Little League Baseball and then high school and college and, and pro, and I, I don't use batting gloves. Don't make me do something I'm not used to doing inside the game. So, no, I, I don't think that they're going to make him use batting gloves. That would be my guess. I don't know for sure. I know that's been advised to the players. Majority of players, probably, if I had to put a percentage on it, 95% of the guys are using batting gloves. But he likes the feel. I've talked to him. He likes the feel of the, the knob of the bat and the handle of the bat in his hands. So I think that's asking too much. If that's how he performs and that's where he's comfortable to do his job, I don't think you can ask him to go away from that and stray away from that. I just don't think that's right. And I think players, I wonder if we're going to see almost a, a pushback from, from everyone. All of these very minute detail things. You can't spit on the field. You can't do this. You can't do that. Well, how, how do we enforce that? We've already talked about the enforcement of those rules. If everyone starts pushing back, what can Major League Baseball do? 636, if you could do a documentary a la The Last Dance for any Cardinal in history, who would it be? That is a great question. I, I've been thinking about it. Now, the last dance did focus clearly on Michael Jordan, but it was the last dance because Phil Jackson said this is the last dance that year that they won their final championship of six. You know, the season I would love to have had a camera to go behind the scenes with, and I think it would have been fascinating, and it's sad, and it's tragic, but the year that Daryl Kyle passed away, that was also the year that Jack Buck passed away, and how Tony LaRusso was able to get his team somewhat focused on playing baseball, the loss of a leader, a loss of a great pitcher between the white lines, but the loss of a human being with how tight guys are, how he did that. Uh, to go behind the scenes after games when Tony was mentally exhausted and many of the players were mentally exhausted. Um, I would have wanted to see that. Now, it ended on a on a down note. They lost in the National Championship Series, National League Championship Series. Kenny Lofton had a walk-off hit against Steve Klein, and it came to a close. But when you think about Tony's run in St. Louis... That may have been the greatest year that he put together. How he was able to keep the team together uh, is beyond me because I was around that team every single day, and there there were 
I mean, guys were just heartbroken, and many of the guys were, you know, baseball was a secondary thought, and you can understand why. And somehow they were able to come together and play and, and win and compete and compete at the highest level. That's hard to do. I mean, to compete against the best in the world at what you do when you've lost one of your best friends, that's really difficult. And he was able to get that team focused to do it. So that's that would be the one I'd want to see. Dan, Daryl Kyle was my favorite player in back at that time in the devastation that i went through when i found out the news that he was no longer with us i can only imagine for those players the close-knit relationships that they had built with him i mean the feelings just had to be through the roof for the guy no doubt and it, it was and it was heartfelt it was all true and daryl kyle when you say that guy was a great teammate he was a remarkable teammate uh five seven three hi dan really appreciate the show thank you uh just wanted to say how much i respect matt carpenter i hope that Every Cardinal and Cardinal fan feels like him and respects his love of the game. I know I do. Thanks. I, I do. I think in this town, we love baseball as much as we do. We miss it. This is not like something, you know, XFL closed up and we go, eh, okay. I mean, it was fun while it lasted. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'll miss it. I, I was enjoying it just like anybody else. It was a diversion on a Sunday or a Saturday. But when baseball is gone, which is part of the everyday routine of your life as a fan, as a broadcaster, as a player, and it's gone, that's tough. And we love the sport. We have great tradition in the sport. We are one of the greatest franchises in the history of sports, not just baseball, but any sport you want to talk about. And in terms, uh, in terms of, of Matt Carpenter, and I realize it was at times a lightning rod of, of criticism last year, and he had a down year and looked lost at times. There's, there's no doubting that. Um, but I think when it's all said and done and he retires, he very well could be a Cardinal Hall of Famer. The, the, the criteria to be a Cardinal Hall of Famer is you had to play three years for the St. Louis Cardinals, and then you have to be retired out of baseball for three years. So thinking about some of the guys, I'm just going off the top of my head, and Colin, you help me and, and get this. First of all, the guys that they have on the list right now, all will get in at some point, whether it's Keith Hernandez or Matt Morris or John Tudor, whoever. I, they're going to get in, and we'll have an announcement on that tomorrow. That'll be the uh, official unveiling of that. And you also can go on my Twitter feed, at Danny Mac TV. I have a visit with Bill DeWitt about the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Um, but you're going to have to look at Matt Holliday. I think that's a great Cardinal. And you're going to have to look at David Freeze. Even though some people say, well, now, wait a minute. He had a great postseason. Yes, but he was an all-star. He's a hometown kid. And this is a Cardinal Hall of Fame that is designed for the fans. This isn't Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. This is a Cardinal Hall of Fame. And the other guy is Matt Carpenter. I I've thought about him long and hard because you've got a guy that was a three-time all-star. He's still going, and he's put up big numbers. He broke Stan the Man's doubles record. He's played second base. He's been a DH. He's and he maybe a DH going forward. He's been at third base. He can play the outfield, and he's been on winning clubs. That's something to think about. And he had the salsa, and that's the topper for me. And he had cereal. Okay, so if you have that at <laughs> Schnooks, a great sponsor of 101, then you're in my book. That's what puts you over the top. I think so. the top. No-brainer, as Benji Molino would say. Salsa, cereal, championships. I'm in. We have Ribs and BK coming up next. Thanks for all the text messages. Thanks to Matt Carpenter. Ribs, BK, crossover next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 
Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, 1052 in St. Louis. Jamie Rivers, Brandon Kylie, Riggs and BK coming up from 11 till 2. Always good to see you guys. And uh, I'll start with this, BK. What do you have coming up on the show? We got a fun show coming up today. Uh, some guy named John Hamm is going to he spend some time sports. with us. I've heard of him once yeah. or twice. I think like he watched St. a Lewis. couple of Blues games last yeah. year, yeah. from what I recall. So he's going to come on with us at noon. Uh, we will have coming up at 1230, Joey Vitale. Always enjoy our conversations with him. And a con- question that I'm going to ask of Jamie Rivers later today, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, Dan. The best Cardinal of the decade. Because for the 2000s, we know it's Albert Fredbirds. <laughs> Fredbird's consistent every consistent. year. Consistent. Tied for first. I mean, just name the decade. He's my guy. <laughs> the guy that immediately came to mind for me, obviously, was Yadier Molina. Because yep. of the longevity, he's an all-star every single season. He's been arguably a top-two catcher at worst every year in the National League. I, I'm i with that. I thought the guy that you talked with earlier today, though, deserves a little more recognition than maybe most would give him. Especially Matt should be on that list as well. Especially, I think, when you look at the fact that they asked him to play out of position at second base, and he did it, did it well. Then he goes to third base, did it, did it well. Um, as I mentioned earlier, he set the doubles record, which was held by Stan the Man. He's been a three-time All-Star. He's gone to a World Series. They've had a lot of division championships when he's been a primary player in their lineup. He would be in the conversation. Yachty definitely in the conversation because, to me, he's the captain of the club, so it goes beyond maybe just the numbers, what you do with the pitching staff. And then Wayno, you know, yep. even though Wayno had some some injuries along the way, when he came back, he was dominant. So he would be in that conversation, too. I, I don't know if I'm missing anybody, but those would be the three that come to mind. I think after that, you'd have to look at Matt Holliday would be in yep. the conversation. But I think there's a tier. I think there's a clear-cut top tier for me, and I think it's those three. I think it's Carpenter, Wayno, and Yachty, and whatever order you would put them in. And I, I think the conversation then evolves from there. And it becomes one of longevity versus their peak. And I think of those three, Wayno and Carpenter actually had the highest peak this decade. And then I would put Yachty third, but he has been the most consistently good or great of those three. So I think it's an interesting conversation that we're going to dive into. What was refreshing to me in the Carpenter interview, and he's always good and he's always well thought uh, thought out. But the fact that we were just talking about a pro athlete that's made a ton of money and he just says, like all of us, God, I miss it. I just miss sports. I just want to play again. I miss the competition. And it just took my, for that 15 minutes or whatever, it took my mind off of what we're all dealing with. With, you know, the NHL is going to meet today with the PA and figure out a, you know, two city hub system. And the NBA is trying to present their plan by June 1st. And we're hearing about baseball arguing over money potentially. Just get back to the basic thing that we miss sports and we got to have it. I'm firmly convinced as Americans, we got to have it. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but I do. Yeah, I think everybody right now, especially in these times, is is starving for something. I don't say a distraction, but something to be passionate about. And I think everybody wants to kind of feel like they're on a team. You know, like right now, I think that there's a lot of divide in the world. There's a lot of concern. There's a lot of just a lot of stuff. Anxiety. Stuff. Anxiety. Anxiety, Yeah, sure. And I think it would be nice for people to, even if they can't go to the stadium, they can at least still chat about the Cardinals. If they want to get on a Facebook group, if they want to talk in the parking lot about things, whatever, 
they can get back to talking Cardinals, baseball, blues, hockey, whatever is their thing. You know, like you feel like you're getting back to what your normal is. And that helps a lot of people through these the times. The communal aspect of it. That's yes. what we all love about sports, right? Like whether it be you're actually at the ballpark with 40,000 of your best friends in the world every night, or if you're on Twitter and you're just with your however many followers and you're kind of going back and forth with your buddies talking about that last at bat, or if you're at a sports bar or you're down at Ballpark Village, like whatever it is, there's a communal aspect to it. And this is kind of one of the things that we've all learned about the pandemic. We miss that. As much as we can now email back and forth or text back and forth or do these Zoom meetings, we need the in-person contact. We need the back and forth with our friends. Maybe as much now as we ever have before, we still yearn for that, even a, even in 2020. Stability of baseball, because I'm a baseball guy. I do it for a living, and I do it every every night. And I think that's what we miss the most, is that when you go to work and you come home, you know at 7 o'clock you can flip on a TV or a radio and you're listening or watching a baseball game. And it's every mm-hmm. single night. It's consistent. It is. And that's like, the ho- to me, the hockey playoffs this time of year. Every second night. Uh, you know, <laughs> for it the is. Blues. <laughs> and, and you're living and dying with them. And I am a guy that in, am I going over too long here? You're good. Okay, so I'm a guy with hockey. I'll, I'll watch it throughout the year, but we get to the crunch time, that final month and that playoff run, and I don't care who's playing, especially if the Blues are playing. I'm watching, but I watch hockey every night. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It is. I miss it. Ribs BK coming up. It's the crossover. Colin, great job. I'm Dan McLaughlin. We'll talk to you at 10 tomorrow at 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.